Good morning. Um, before I start, I would like to thank the um, amazing job that Catherine. She snuck away. <laughs> She's coming back. And um, Laura. And the people who, some people who are not even in the practice period who helped on Saturday to do a lot of prep in the kitchen. Catherine, I was just thanking you. Oh, we lost someone. And um, the, uh, the zendo, the kitchen, have been, all been set up really meticulously in a very beautiful way. It took a lot of work. And by set up, I mean that they made the possibility for a container. They made the possibility for us to come together and create a container in which we can do our work. So the possibility is here. The container is being created, primarily by silence. Primarily, the container will be created by each of us making a commitment to silence. Silence within, when possible, and silence without. And I want to especially remind the staff, I myself have already aired in this respect, but it was morning of the first day, so I'm giving myself a little bit of slack. No, 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 I shouldn't. <laughs> it's already the first day, right from the start. But I would like to remind the staff to, um, when you do have things to say, because I know they will have things to say, to please go into a private area, come into the library or the storage space, but. Please don't talk with each other in the public space. And for everybody else, don't talk. Don't leave notes. I mean, if you need to communicate with the Eno, do. But don't make eye contact. Don't uh, do anything that takes you out of your own commitment to your own looking inward. Don't, don't easily, don't so easily give yourself a distraction. Um, I want to remind you, too, to take advantage of the forms that we do. After getting up from Zazen, uh, there's Kinyin. So please don't think of Kinyin as a mental break. It's a physical break. You get to get up from sitting. But it's not a mental break. 
we're here to develop continuity of awareness. It's the most important thing. You want to develop present, being present the whole time. So when you get up from meditation, you maintain the quality of attention that you're developing in your meditation practice. So please don't leave. Don't leave. Unless you really have to go to the bathroom, don't leave. It's not a mental break. And when you do kinhin, you can, uh, it's a, you know, one of the four traditional meditation postures. So please be in your body, paying attention to your feet, touching the floor, coordinated with your breath, if you're able to do that. Your posture, always your posture. Use it as an opportunity to continue continuity of mindfulness. And you don't have to fluff your cushion. When you stand up from Kinyin and you're going to stay in the zendo to to walk, you don't have to fluff your cushion. You fluff your cushion only if you're going to leave and not come back. So uh, It's very hard in New York. It's hard anyway, but it's particularly difficult, I think, in New York to make retreat a priority, to first know that it is a priority for yourself, and then to be able to stop. (laughs) You would think, you know, you would think that we would want to stop, that we would, that stopping would be easy, that at every opportunity we would stop. (laughs) The turmoil, you know, the pressure, the, the, the push, the energy that just walking out in the sidewalk, you can kind of feel, you know, we're, we're all leaning forward. Some people sit leaning forward. <laughs> we're always, you know, needing to do the next thing on the list, the next whatever it is. But... I think the more we sit, the more we practice, the more we know that we want to make stopping a priority. And so we arrange, knowing the dates of retreat quite a, quite a long time ahead, we arrange our life so that we can take two, three days off of work. Sometimes maybe not possible, but often it's a question of priority. (laughs) Because sitting retreat is not a, although in the United States it's getting to be more and more possible to find places that offer, you know, retreat opportunity. But still it's rare, and especially if I may reiterate something that I say quite a bit, that for lay people, for a lay practice, which we all have a lay practice, it's necessary. It's not even a suggestion. It's necessary to take time out for long periods of sitting. And I mean long periods. Five days is is five days. 
there also a possibility for ten days, two weeks, a month, three months. So, for me, I, and what I've seen, and what I've, my own experience, um, and, and what I've seen, in order to go deep for people with lay practice, you need to take regular time out for extended retreat in order for the mind to reconnect with its own depth, for one's mind to remember its original nature, to establish ourselves there in a stable way. It's necessary to do long retreat. So each retreat is different. If you've been on retreats before and had a great experience, don't expect the same thing to happen. And definitely don't want the same pleasantness to occur. That's a guarantee for suffering. I think we know by now that any kind of grasping is a guarantee for suffering. And we've said during the time that I've been here over and over again that, in particular, grasping at thought is what we're paying attention to. And if you had not so great experience on a retreat, well, good for you. It probably is not going to be the same. So whatever your experience has been, whatever your past has been, See if you can for these five days. Forget about it. Because if it's necessary for you to look at it, if it's necessary for you to deal with it, and you're ready to deal with it, it will come up in the present moment. So you don't have to dwell in the past. You don't have to do dwelling thinking in the past. If you need to look at it, it'll come up in the present over and over again until you learn how to deal with not grabbing onto it. So, and if things do come up in the present moment, that's, that's good. That's a good thing because what we're doing as Dogen says over and over again, is to study the self. We're, we're looking at the structure of the uh, what seems to be, in the beginning, a very strong, thick, energetic, solid me. We want to look clearly at how that is established and maintained. And so you want it to come up. But you want it to come up in a container of stability, a strong being present mind, strong being present muscle, a strong observer, a strong watcher, so that when these difficult things come up, they don't suck you in to the belief that they're true. 
all it takes is the slightest crack. It doesn't have to be a big distance. You don't have to have a large, quiet space. Just the slightest crack between the thought and your belief in it. Just the slightest doubt. It may not be you. It may not be the truth, always. The slightest crack is enough for you to just watch it come up, feel it, be it, and let it pass. That is how we see how we create separation and suffering for ourselves and and for other people as well. When we come from a place of separation, not so skillful usually. When we remember to come from a place of connection, connectedness, wholeness, oneness, usually more skillful. So I want to read what you're going to recite every day um, during service. I'm not going to read the whole thing. You will. (laughs) I'm going to read some. You should therefore cease from practice based on intellectual understanding, pursuing words and following after speech, and learn the backward step that turns your light inwardly to illuminate yourself. Body and mind of themselves will drop away and your original face will be manifest. If you want to attain suchness, you should practice suchness without delay. For meditation, a quiet room is suitable. Eat and drink moderately. Cast aside all involvements and cease all affairs. Do not think good or bad. Do not administer pros and cons. Cease all the movements of the conscious mind, the gauging of all thoughts and views. You understand that this doesn't mean to suppress anything. It just means not to grab on. And there are some thought trains that are, um, what can I say, very superficial and just habitual things like planning. You know, what am I going to wear tomorrow for Zazen? You know, <laughs> things like, you know, thoughts that go just on, just cut those off. You know, don't even bother with those. Any kind of thoughts like that, just stop them and come back to your intention, to, your, to the body-mind. And speaking about intention, it's a really good thing to know why you're here, to remember your aspiration. It will help you raise energy and create motivation for the kind of work that needs to be done these five days. And you might think of something in particular. So one's your aspiration, the other is an intention. Something particular for these five days that you might want to work on. Very helpful.
Intelligence or lack of it does not matter. Between the dull and the sharp-witted, there is no distinction. If you concentrate your efforts single-mindedly, that in itself is negotiating the way. Practice realization is naturally undefiled. Going forward in practice is a matter of everydayness. So, again, the forms for us, this is everydayness. So, make your gasho awake. Really know when you're gashoing and do it completely. Don't do like a partial, I'm on the way out, right? I'm on the way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bow at the uh, bathroom, right? And gone, right? It's kind of like this almost gasho. <laughs> Or um, when you're eating, really be mindful of picking up the plate and the fork, of how you're taking the food, of leaving the spoon down so the other the next person can can grab it, and it's not you know in the soup <laughs> or the salad, you know. Bowing during service. Shashu bow when you're standing. Many little forms that we do that can be taken advantage of as mindful uh, helpers, mindfulness helpers. So for those of you who are learning how to aim and sustain the mind, for those of you who are just working on convincing your own mind that what you want to do is be in the present moment, you know what to do. This is not, uh, this is not a mystery. What you need to do is return over and over and over again to whatever you decide is your anchor. I had a list. Yes. Don't worry about anything else, because that's your job. So you can count 1 to 10 and start again. You can feel your breath. If counting is really, if you can count for the whole period, one to ten, and start again, you can drop that and just feel the breath. If if you begin to fail at that, then fine. Stop feeling the breath and going back to counting. Instead of counting every in and out breath, count just every out breath. You can repeat phrases whatever phrases you want to make up, or you can do the traditional metta phrases. You can listen to the gentleman outside who all morning has been having a conversation with somebody in a language, thankfully, I don't understand. (laughs) You can feel sensation in the body. You can work with pain, physical pain. It's a great concentration uh, magnet. Look at pain. Look at, don't hurt yourself, but look at pain. Um, is it pulsing? Is it sharp? Is it high? Pain is an, 
simply, I kept thinking, what happened the other day? Oh, I was having a massage. <laughs> Very painful. <laughs> and I was reminding myself, <laughs> pain is just an intensity of sensation. <laughs> You know, when people who uh, do meditation do, um, it's it's very strange to go to like a doctor or a dentist or something like that. They always ask you, you know, is this hurting a lot or something like that? I think to myself, you know, um, my experience of how I can handle pain and the average handling of pain is very different, right? So if they ask me if it's painful or not painful, it's painful, but it's okay, (laughs) you know? But so should I tell them it's actually a nine when it's really a four? No. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> subjective pain is a subjective experience. So investigate it. Go to the body and find out. It's a great concentration tool. Or you can do visualizations. Visualizations are terrific. You can visualize the Buddha statue in detail, or you can visualize Kuan Yin in detail, you know, all the little blossoms on her robe, what she's holding, how she's holding her hand, the background, the smile, the face. Or, the, or look at the flowers and see if you can remember when you close your eyes in detail the flowers on the altar. Once the mind is still and stable, besides looking at what is creating a sense of me and maintaining it, you can look at the dharmas. You can follow impermanence. You can see if thoughts arise and stay and return to nothing. You can look at uh, suffering, and if it is uh, how for you it it arises, you can look at dependent co-arising. You can look at many things, but pick one and stay with it. You can do inquiry by establishing a question in a kind of a curiosity and openness of mind and let it be there in the background without reaching for an answer. And you can do shikantaza, which is just abiding in openness, a clear not a you know, present mind, but not a dull. It's not like present and dull. It's a very sharp, clear, open, awake vastness. You can abide there. You can rest there. You can, you can just be instead of do. In fact, many people say that meditation is a uh, constantly doing less and less and less. You can, you can, you can, you can, 
you can listen, not listen, you can sense, you can sense the exhale. And at the end of the exhale, don't do anything. Just let your body decide whether it's going to take an in-breath. And, and, and sense into that gap, the end of the breath. find there the stillness that is a, it's not even a reflection of your mind, it is your own original mind. A vast, open, silent stillness. So in these five days, taking full responsibility for your own practice, And as you do that, it will support everybody else. Everybody can feel everybody's intention, everybody's effort. So take full and complete responsibility for your own journey and trust your own journey, whether it's bumpy, whether it's a roller coaster, whether it's mostly sadness. I sat in the zendo for some time just allowing tears to just pour out of my eyes. I needed to grieve in that way. Not this kind of grieving, where I'm confirming to myself why I deserve to be whatever. But in that silence, just an openness. And if wellings up of grief come up, then they do. And you just tear. It's very healing. That kind of grieving is very healing. So, with a kind of a, not kind of a, I, I would suggest, I ask you to, along with a rather strict uh, intention to return over and over again, or to do whatever practice you choose, to be really gentle. This is not a question of comparative mind. In fact, I used to tell myself, comparative mind is death. It's kind of a death every time you do that. Not a good death. (laughs) So see if you can, in this work that you're going to be doing for these days, if you can do it with with a real gentleness and know that just having the courage, having the willingness to be open to your own suffering, your own pain, without buying into it, is the beginning of true self-worth and compassion. Because it's unconditional allowing of what actually is there, which we missed, most of us, when we were kids. So just being able to do that, is hugely compassionate. And we need that kind of compassion, that deep compassion. Even if it's hard for you to think that you're lovable, even allowing that to be there 
is still unconditional compassion. And we need both. We need kindness. And we need wisdom cutting through. We need both. So trust your own way. Trust your own path. And establish a kind of a balance. And in doing that, we will, you will, each of you, be creating the container that has been, the possibility of which has been so generously set up for us. So I want to read you two things. This is the Tibetan beginning of the Heart Sutra. The Blessed Mother, the heart of the perfection of wisdom. Thus have I once heard. The Blessed One was staying at Rajgrahira at Vulture Peak, along with a great community of monks and a great community of bodhisattvas. And at that time, the Blessed One entered the meditative absorption on the varieties of phenomena called the appearance of the profound. At that time as well, the noble Avalokiteshvara, the bodhisattva, the great being, clearly beheld the practice of the profound perfection of wisdom itself and saw that even the five aggregates are empty of intrinsic intrinsic existence. And then I want to read one more thing. As if that that wasn't um, empty enough. You know, emptiness, let me just remind you, is just a pointer. What we're really about is being able to live in the world as a mature human being with, with kindness. It's very mundane. The end of the path is back to the marketplace. It's very nice to have lots of experiences because they feel good. And they are kind of transcendent of the mundane. But the, the, that is not the end of the path. I think, I don't know, it's, it's definitely Zen. I'm not sure who said this, but it's said over and over again that first mountains are mountains. And then Mountains are not mountains, but it doesn't stop there. And it says mountains are mountains again. 
little differently, but still, mountains are mountains. This is uh, the Lancet of seated meditation. The essential function of all the Buddhas, the functioning essence of all the ancestors. It is present without thinking. It is completed without interacting. Present without thinking, its presence is inherently intimate. Completed without interacting, its completion is inherently verified. Its presence, inherently intimate, it is ever without any stain or defilement. Its completion, inherently verified, it is ever without the upright or inclined. Intimacy, ever without stain or defilement, its intimacy sloughs off without discharging. Verification, ever without upright or inclined. Its verification makes effort without figuring. The water is clear right through the earth. A fish swims like a fish. The sky is vast straight into the heavens. A bird flies like a bird. So, we are here being the mystery already. And what we want to do is find out how that's not enough. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.